Hi, this is Linz Amer, and you're listening to the Super Lit Podcast. Intro music. louder than it usually is <laughs> i thought i was gonna whisper but i guess i didn't you said let me yell <laughs> hey everyone my name is brendan patrick that's sophie green and we have a special guest lens amer here and this week we are talking about lens's new book um, yeah lens please tell us about your new book yes it is my first picture book it's called hooray for she he z and they what are your pronouns today And it's a picture book about gender euphoria for kids that's kind of disguised as a pronoun book. Um, And that's about the best description I can give of it. (laughs) I um, So I read it in the PDF version, and I'm absolutely so excited to be able to get my hands on it because um, is it it in the style of gouache or is it watercolor? um... Uh, A great question for my illustrator. I actually (laughs) don't totally know. Um, uh, Yeah, Kip Alizade, they're a fantastic artist. I was just super drawn to their use of color and texture. Mm -hmm. And they just did such a gorgeous job of translating this kind of like gender feely vibiness into color and yeah, texture into different shapes of humans and sizes of humans. And uh, just, I think, really beautiful kind of like storytelling because there's a lot of visual imagery and metaphor in the words and the language that I tried to use Mm -hmm. um, to evoke kind of like the emotions of gender. And uh, when I was kind of getting drafts in and sketches in um, from Kip through my editor, um, they had kind of like come up with like this like gender swirly (laughs) kind of thing that's a kind of visual um, language that they developed as they were illustrating the book. And I am... I'm super stoked about how it turned out. And uh, we're kind of looking at the cover here behind me and we're basically putting a trans flag on the children's bookshelf, which uh, I am 100% behind. We absolutely <laughs> love that. Yeah. The colors when I, like when I first uh, opened it, I was like, Oh my God, hello. And I, mm-hmm. I think it's because I do as an adult, um, I do love a picture book. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. I I think that like the use of color is really nice and also like the the verbiage that you use to describe just like the feeling of someone just like getting something right for you. Mm, um yes. it's just like such a it, there are so many different like ways to explain it and express it and I I like that there's a few different ways to that you've explained and expressed it um mm. how just like someone getting the right pronouns for you just yeah. um which is I think something that um, maybe cisgendered people take for granted is just like the feeling of feeling right. And someone like seeing you and making you feel like, oh, yes, I I do fit. I am right. Yeah. And I think what was important to me about this book and like wanting to also differentiate this book from kind of like other pronoun books in Mm -hmm. the space, which are, I mean... I really love that we're kind of being more and more saturated with pronoun books that we like have to start differentiating ourselves. I think that's great. And what I really want to do with this one is connect words to emotions Mm -hmm. and help kids navigate like, okay, I know what pronouns are, but how do I know what pronouns are right for me? Mm -hmm. And, you know, making the parallel between feeling right in the language that you're using to express yourself Mm -hmm. that can be very similar to other ways that you might feel right about something. And so like you already have had that feeling that is like, like gender euphoria, essentially you can recognize that feeling and that emotion because it exists elsewhere, right? Mm -hmm. Euphoria itself and happiness, right? And like, you know, eating your favorite 
lunch that your mom packed to you, right? Like that's a feeling that we have on like a day-to-day basis, right? We all can experience that. And if we say like, hey, you can feel that way about your gender and the words that you use to express yourself and describe yourself. And if we can recognize that and see that that's a similar experience there, then like maybe we can recognize in ourselves like, hey, like that pronoun that you use to me, like it doesn't feel like that feeling that I get when I eat my favorite lunch, right? And so maybe we can like start to unlock that journey for a child or even for a grown-up who's reading this book and like doing inner child work and like starting to go through questioning and figure something out. Because I think picture books are just a super accessible way of learning for anyone and hopefully really joyful experience too for grownups to have, you know, as you're going through the children's book section and just having a little bit of fun. Right. Um, Yeah. So I don't know. That's kind of where that went. (laughs) Yeah. I think like looking at it and I, I guess maybe I don't get a chance to look at like picture books often, Mm -hmm. but uh, going through it, I was like, this is all right. This is like all correct. Like this, like the comparison of like it being like your favorite lunch or like even like Mm -hmm. a warm blank. Like it's just, there are so many things that like, Oh yeah. Like that, like that is the perfect comparison of like being like seen as a person. It's just like Mm -hmm. a warm blanket. Like, yes, absolutely. Totally. But yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a great (laughs) feeling that like, I think especially the, to like make it easy for like kids to understand is also like as an adult, you look at it and you're like, Oh wait, no, like why didn't I compare? Like this, this mm-hmm. is a comparative feeling that an adult like also can understand and, and maybe in a different way too. But it's, I think the thing that I did like as well is that uh, I think you mentioned the book is like also very diverse too, mm-hmm. um, which I love seeing a, especially like children's books you don't realize until it's like in front of you like this is a super diverse book it's like these they should all be like this Mm -hmm. um but when it's presented you're like wait this is super diverse like is this something that like we like it wasn't like this i don't think when i was a child um but also i don't necessarily remember any of the picture books from when i was a kid yeah, I definitely think that that's been a more concerted effort. As as someone who does have and read a lot of picture books as part of my profession, yeah, if I turn my camera around, you'll be able to see just like the piles and piles of picture books that I have. A lot of them get sent to me, mm. um, but a lot of them I do buy on my own. Um, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Just a queer professional and a growing uh, uh, library of LGBTQ plus picture books that are Mm -hmm. um, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I think it's been a concerted effort, certainly in the um, picture book space more generally over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think like diversity in um, publishing and children's books has been um, really, really growing. I'd say over the last like even like three-ish years, um, I like... When I started queer kids stuff and like really doing uh, queer work for kids more publicly in 2016, there were not this many LGBTQ plus picture books mm-hmm. and and definitely not this many LGBTQ plus children's book authors, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I've really seen the space grow so much, especially, yeah, in the last three or so years. And, you know, I think, you know, after... Um, you know, kind of Black Lives Matter growing and expanding and the murder of George Floyd and really um, anti-racism coming to consciousness and, uh, you know, d- diversity, equity and inclusion initiatives happening um, in, you know, workplaces and mainstream media. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the picture book space really took that to heart in a lot of ways. I think there's certainly room for growth, um, yeah. but I'm going to give all of the credit um, of, for the diversity in my book to my illustrator and to my editor, Celia Lee at Simon & Schuster, um, who really had their eye on that. Um, I I mean, I didn't write any diversity necessarily into the manuscript because it's not really talking about, like, what the people in this book look like. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. It's a very – the language is very um, uh, visual and, like – kind of conceptual a little bit and the work Mm. of the illustrator and of my editor were to like take that and like turn it into uh, a narrative through line and like something that kids could kind of like grab because it's not like um, the language of the book isn't tangible I think it Mm -hmm. is Um, Mm -hmm. and you know the feelings of it I think are really um, accessible to young people, but it's not necessarily like one narrative storyline that's happening so I think that 
you know, the the gift of like being able to write language like that is that it's open to so many different characters. I'm not having to like choose one character that has one race and one presentation. Mm-hmm. I'm able to and able to give an illustrator, you know, the ability to create an ensemble, right, of kids who can um make these kind of like visual like the visual language into something and mm-hmm. i think that that's kind of cool about the way that i wrote it right mm-hmm. that it it allowed for kind of like that openness of interpretation through the art because kip absolutely could have just like picked one kid um who was like doing all of these things that made them feel mm-hmm. this way um but that's not the direction it took and we kind of decided to make it larger and something that i really love that they brought to it is introducing kind of like me and Kip as illustrations in the book, kind of like as these role models for the kids and like getting that kind of like intergenerational conversation happening was Mm -hmm. really cool. And um, I just thought that that was like a really, I mean, for for me personally, like seeing myself (laughs) illustrated was really cool. And like, I mean, Kip and I have never met, but we've met in print right in the mm-hmm. picture book um so like it i thought that was just like really beautiful way of like the two of us being able to like hold the hand of the child and the family and the classroom maybe that's reading this book at you know as they're experiencing it and letting us kind of like lead them through and guide them through these emotions and the visual storytelling of it all um so yeah i don't know i'm <laughs> I'm really happy with how it turned out and I I hope people like it. (laughs) I think the vibe of the, like the illustration having now known that you guys didn't meet in person. Mm -hmm. um, I felt like the vibe of like the illustration of you is like totally spot on. Like it feels like they're very joyous illustrations, which is fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of joy in the book. Yeah. I think, well, like going back a little bit in what you're talking about before, I think like Mm -hmm. all of the stuff I remember from my childhood that was more diverse was like my parents like actively choosing to buy like children's book that had like black protagonists or like mm-hmm. Asian kids as the protagonist, but it was never like, and here's a group of children who are all different like races and yeah. sizes and yeah. like a, some have disabilities and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like literally like this is a book for black children. So all the characters are black in it. Yeah. Or you got the really fun, um, allegories where it was just Mm -hmm. like we're all animals in the wilderness and that is like describing people who live in the world as diversity but yeah it's foxes and birds getting along (laughs) and like yeah um, totally i think we've definitely hit a stride in like children's publishing where we're like okay we're throwing the allegories out we're over it we're done like Mm -hmm. we're just gonna actually just like talk about the real world and how people exist and how they are and like what, like the experiences that you will have as like you grow mm-hmm. up. So I think that is definitely something that's like very exciting to see. And the thing I really loved about like, just even like the language again, you were talking about the language you use. Um, it's so accessible to like younger kids in a way that like, I feel like a lot of like pronoun, like children's books, I guess, are like very analytical or very mm-hmm. like, this is like, this is what gender is. Here is what sexuality mm. is. And it's like very much like focused on like how you feel and how you express yourself and how you present yourself. Cause really that's what gender should be. And it's mm-hmm. definitely a much easier way for a child to like understand that. than I think a lot, especially like cis parents have mm-hmm. this instinct to be like, okay, we're going to have the gender conversation. All right. Yeah. Let, me, let me get out those science books and like mm-hmm. use yeah. some kind of like biology. And it's like, or we could just like talk about like what shirt makes you feel really happy when you wear it. Yes. Like, how do you feel when you put this hat on? Does it make you feel really good? Like, yeah. If your hair is short, do you feel better? Like, okay. Yeah. Like, let's yeah. do that. Yes. And I think that that's like kind of generally my philosophy around like talking to kids about gender and sexuality mm-hmm. is like, let's make it fun. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. that's like queer kid stuff, like the web series where just kind of like all of this <laughs> kind of started of just like making queer stuff for kids, right? And like this picture book is kind of like the most recent iteration of that, right? This is kind of like the progression of all of my work up to this point. And mm-hmm. I think like, you know, 
I yes, I have episodes that are like talking to my teddy bear about like what gender is and what pronouns are. But like, of course, like, yes, we're going to put on a wig and we're going to talk about that. And like, and we're going to talk about our pronouns and we're going to talk about and and sing songs about gender. And we're going to make it fun and engaging and easy. Right. I think that that's Mm. so important. And we're going to engage kids. Like, I think that the subtitle of this book is really important. It's a question. What are your pronouns today? And this is a book Mm -hmm. that you can read every day and institute a pronoun practice with your kids. And you can use this book to do that. You don't even have to come up with a conversation on your own. You can Mm -hmm. ask through the book, what are your pronouns today? You can talk about your pronouns as an adult. You can talk about their pronouns as a kid. Maybe their pronoun today is different from their pronoun yesterday. And that's okay. And because it's about feeling and it's about Mm -hmm. how we feel in our bodies related to the language we're using to express ourselves. So this is a book. Yes, it's a experience that you can have with your child, but it's also a practical day-to-day tool right? Mm -hmm. That you can use to help your child understand the feelings they're having inside that they want to express to the world and giving them the language to be able to do that. And to be able to say, this is why I feel this way about this word about me, Mm -hmm. right? So yeah, I'm all about like, let's make this conversation fun. Let's make like discovering ourselves like a fun and joyful process. Let's make it not scary for parents because I think that like we're in a place in society where we're just getting in our own way, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's all these like mindset things, honestly, about it where like, you know, I'm, I don't know everything. I am going to make mistakes and I'm going to (laughs) make mistakes that are going to harm my child. And I'm here to say like, stop. (laughs) Just like, just do it. Just do it. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. We are in a place where we just need to be having the conversations. If you mess up, you know, that's human, right? You are Mm -hmm. a grown up. That's that's, even, you're a grown up. You're a parent. Like you are allowed to make mistakes, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of parents have like a lot of fear with, especially younger kids, especially Mm -hmm. younger queer kids where they're like, okay, I can't fuck this up because then I'm going (laughs) to traumatize my child for life. And it just needs to be like, you can like feel openly be like, especially if you are not a queer person, you have a queer child, be like, let's go on this journey together because I'm also learning because that's such like, I think that's the thing that like a lot of adults just like don't do for kids is they don't like get on their level and like, Mm -hmm. be like, Hey, Mm -hmm. I'm also scared about this. This also makes me nervous. Like I also have like anxiety Mm -hmm. about this or something. And to take like kind of like the seriousness out of it, yeah, um, is just like makes it so much more accessible and like again, like it makes it fun, yeah, yeah. Because like here's the thing: is that you have a gender, I have a gender, you have a gender, everybody who's listening has a gender somewhere on the spec. Even if you identify as a gender, that's like somewhere within the gender sphere. You have a feeling, you have an opinion about gender that is yours, right? Mm-hmm. Every single person, cis, trans, non-binary, has a gender. So you are thinking about gender. You have thought about your gender before. You think about other people's gender all the time. You make conscious conscious decisions about your gender and the world on a daily, maybe even hourly basis, but you just don't think about it. So Mm -hmm. you're already having conversations about gender with your child. You just don't know it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so all I'm trying to say in this book and like my colleagues in this field are trying to say is like, okay, let's like make that conversation conscious and let's make it purposeful and let's make it recentered to include and even more fully focus on trans and non-binary gender identities because nobody is talking about those things. Yeah. And because of that, that's exactly what all of this political turmoil is, right? And it's causing these horrible conversations to happen kind of on the other end because nobody is educated or comfortable with having those conversations despite Mm -hmm. the fact that we are all talking about gender all the time, ultimately. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, it's just a reframe. There's always been in like TV shows where like someone's come out and the the parent is like, I've already signed up for P flag. And it's yeah. like, oh, uh, it's like meant to be like, oh my God, I wish you wouldn't. I would rather a parent respond that way 
mm-hmm. in a way that's like, I'm being proactive. I don't know anything about this. I'm going to go to people who do. Mm-hmm. And even if like PFLAG isn't like the best place to go, at least they're trying. And yeah. I would rather see. And it's always, it either comes across as like annoying for some reason. Oh no, mm-hmm. you're trying to understand your kid. Or just like, oh my gosh, no. this is amazing. I would rather just be seen as like a parent attempting to be like, I don't yeah. necessarily know like how this is. Like, I don't know if mm-hmm. I... You know gay people, I'm sure you do, but like I don't know any <laughs> queer people. What does that mean? And it's like mm-hmm. I would rather someone admit that and say, like, I want to learn more than be so terrified of making the mistake of like, oh no, I I I misgendered my child today, and for the rest of my life I'm going to sit here and think about this. If you did it by that, it was an accident. Like you can learn from the situation going forward, you'll you'll know better. I would rather have that than someone be too terrified of the conversation of like okay, uh, the person I I I raised I thought was more masculine, and now they aren't. Oh no, they wear pigtails. Oh no, like it's it's not that deep. Like you're, yeah, it's really you're, not. No, <laughs> and it's it's just it That's doesn't. The actual, be- the second subtext of the it's not on the cover, but it's yeah. What's your pronoun today? Parentheses. It's not that deep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I think that like eye rolliness is like maybe a little bit more relevant with like teenagers and yeah. like maybe yeah. in like the preteen kind of like tween years mm-hmm. but that like is a lot more honestly about like your relationship with your child than it yeah. is about like whether or not that's like cr- actually cringy yeah. because <laughs> here here's the thing is that like i i am talking to parents all the time i like mm-hmm. i work with parents and and i do kind of like coaching and i have like weekly story time program that i run mm-hmm. with families and a lot of them are cishet parents of lgbtq plus kids and so many of them come to me and they're wringing their hands and they're not sure what to do and not sure how to handle it and all of these questions. And the first thing I ask is like, okay, what is your community? Do you have people who you can talk to who are also cishet parents of LGBTQ plus kids who are at different parts of their journey than you are? Mm -hmm. Do you have people that you can talk to? And that's like, and then I also ask, you know, does your kid have (laughs) have a community um, of their own, right? Because you need to have separate support systems because- Mm -hmm. That's so important when a kid comes out to you, right, is like that you're not unloading your personal adult baggage onto them and Mm -hmm. placing that burden of your own pain and bias onto your child because Mm -hmm. that's the thing that's going to traumatize them, not you talking about, you know – one like vocabulary term that they had a question about and like giving them the wrong definition. Like yeah. that's not going to traumatize your child. What's going to traumatize your child is you projecting your biases around gender and transness onto them. So that's mm-hmm. what you have to undo on your own time. Mm-hmm. But, and then they need <laughs> their own, yeah. you know, space to be able to process their own stuff. But yeah, that's essentially the vibe is like, you know, take care of your, it's the put your own oxygen mask on first and then like figure out how to find them an ox- oxygen mask too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Put your own gender on first. Yes. <laughs> and then, <laughs> um, I think I was like just talking to my friends about this too, because we, I went to a, a haunted house and we took like a, uh, what's it, like a shuttle to it. Anyway, I don't know. There's a kid in front of us who was like very small probably like seven or eight. I don't know how to judge children's ages, but <laughs> they were like, um, okay, so when we get off the bus, we'll do boy, girl, boy, girl, boy, girl. We make sure that the boys go. It was like, they were like, I hope very you can hear my eye roll. Yeah. They didn't impose it on anyone. Yeah. Insert the eye roll. But it was very like my friends and I were talking, we're like children are li- like, they're obsessed with gender kids. Yes. love, I have a friend who is, um, a librarian and often it does like the bookmobile and ev- like every time it's bookmobile day we'll get a text from her and she'll be like the kids asked me if I was a boy again because my hair is yep. short <laughs> like yeah and like it's like a running joke because she's ex- very masculine and like leads into it it's funny mm-hmm. now but like kids want to have that conversation like they're yes. curious they're not yeah. like they don't have like they don't understand shape it's always yet. length of hair yeah i get asked yeah. all the time oh mommy is that a boy or a girl and i'm like mm-hmm. i could i might have a mustache i might not but i have long hair so you it's confusing me. and then they hear my voice and they're like wait especially like very young like children yeah. babies just like stare at me like what is what is how ha- you have hair like mommy 
but sound like that. Yeah. Okay. So here, here's what's happening there yes. is because this is how children are taught to process people around them. Gender mm-hmm. is a marker that they're taught they can assume about a person, right? Based mm-hmm. on color, hairstyle, based on how people dress, how they walk through the world. They are taught these socialized categories of how to perceive gender based on markers. And this is, you know, through, a, this is essentially like gender propaganda that kids, you know, <laughs> encounter in every piece of media they are exposed to books, TV, especially, especially Mm. children's television. Um, As someone who works in mainstream children's television and preschool, I know this very, it is very, very obvious. I mean, if you, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to name any specific shows, but like uh, it almost fell off my tongue, but like it, uh, you know, uh, there, there are many, many, many of them that lean really heavily into gender tropes. Mm -hmm. And that's how, kids start to perceive how they can identify other people and make assumptions about other people. So when they meet someone who disrupts the rules that they've been taught, that's when they ask questions because they're trying to reconcile, these are the rules that I have learned. These are the rules that I understand and know. This Mm -hmm. is someone who is breaking that rule. How does this new exception fit into these rules that I've been taught, right? So it's it's not like, I mean, this is the question that comes up all the time, I think, especially with trans women, is why is that boy wearing a dress, right? If someone, you know, a child sees someone with facial hair who's wearing a dress or someone who uh, has more male characteristics potentially or, you know, it's uh, someone who they perceive as male because of these rules that I'm talking about, right? Mm -hmm. And... They want to categorize that person of, you know, conforming to those rules that they understand in their brains. Mm -hmm. But what we have to do is say, hey, these rules are fake. These rules don't exist. This is not actually true because boys can wear dresses. Mm -hmm. Trans women exist. People who are non-binary exist. There are people who use they and them pronouns, not just he and him pronouns or she and her pronouns. And there are all of these, they're not exceptions to these rules, right? They mm-hmm. are different rules than what society tells us. And mm-hmm. that is how the conversation about pronouns really starts to help build a foundation for kids to kind of reprogram their brains around how society and gender works. Yeah, that's kind of like... Yeah, the nutshell think, version of that. <laughs> I think that the the book does a really good job of that too, because probably like more so in the recent past when the like pronouns have become more acceptable as a discussion with children, mm-hmm. it still starts at the same kind of base where it's like, well, this is a boy, but sometimes they wear a dress, and it's like, okay, well, so we've already started off here, actually. Yeah. Like you have established kind of like a gender and then like, but they're not the regular kind of boy that Mm -hmm. is the pants boy, boys who wear pants, they're a dress boy. Um, And then you, yeah, it just, it like self-destructs. And then you're just like, the kids are not like like, that. It all just completely implodes on itself. As soon as you like start like assigning like men in dress versus like trans Mm -hmm. women, those are two different things. And like all kids need to know is like, what does that, what pronouns does that person use? Exactly. How yeah. does that person identify themselves and how do they want to express themselves? There mm-hmm. are all of these different ways that those can combine together to make up that person. And mm-hmm. we can't make those assumptions based on what we see. But mm-hmm. if we want to get to know someone, those are questions we can ask them because we're coming back to the book, right? Because that those are the things that give that person gender euphoria. You mm-hmm. have gender euphoria from the ways that you express yourself and you use your language to express how you feel that's good inside yourself about your you know language and your gender and your Mm -hmm. pronouns so it all kind of like comes back to like self and like personhood for that child and like it's it's all empathy building right it's all like you know if you feel this way about you know your favorite tutu right like that might be the way that that person feels about that dress that they're wearing and a person can wear a dress no matter what they look like because it makes them feel good Mm -hmm. exactly yeah yeah so 
Um, I would love to talk to you about queer kid stuff. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. going back to what you said, so like putting on wigs and performing for your <laughs> your teddy bear. Yes. Um, as a as a person who I used to do drag often, um, I know that sometimes getting the courage up to like do the thing, especially if someone you're. I can imagine also like recording it, editing it, and then going, I'm going to post this thing. Like, did you ever like have to work up the courage to do anything? Or mm. like, was it like, a, wow, I feel like I am thriving. I'm going to post this. This is it. Because I know there are days where I had mm. put on my heels and gone, maybe this isn't the day that I do this. Interesting question. It's, you know, thinking back to like the very early days of Queer Kid stuff and like even that very first episode, I remember being incredibly impatient actually to like get that up and get that into the world because I knew I was sitting on something that was mm-hmm. like really important. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't know necessarily that it would take me where I am today. You know, everything really started with that first video hitting YouTube the way it did. Um, But I think there have certainly been, I think, hesitations over the years, um, mostly because of the online harassment that I get. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever hesitated to put up a video because I just like didn't want to do it that day. I think it's more been about like, okay, do I, how do I feel in just like meeting the world in this way today? Right. Um, I've always been a performer. I've, uh, you know, I don't know. I have a Leo moon. (laughs) (laughs) I, that. Okay. Yeah. No, this is tracking. Everything is is starting to make sense. Yeah. Um, I think that I, um, feel most fulfilled when I'm performing. I think that like I've over the last like couple of years to especially this like last year or so I've found that like I'm happiest generally when like my schedule has like more performing in it, more going on podcasts and talking to cool people about my work, more like standing up and like playing my ukulele for a group of kids. I like it's national coming out day when we're recording this. And I was like invited to a, a local groups, like little like ice cream party. And, uh, I just like grabbed my, this was like a little camp thing that like didn't even get paid for it. Like it was a favor that I was doing for like a mm-hmm. friend who I've done something for before. And I just like grabbed my ukulele and like got on a mic and I was just like, we're going to be unicorns today. <laughs> and, yes. and like, that was Great. I've, I, I'm at the point where I've done it so many times too, where I just like am not even like mm, thinking mm-hmm. too much about performing. Um, I just kind of like do like the first 15 minutes of my regular set and like it didn't take a whole lot of energy. I was just kind of like doing my thing and uh, I have gotten really good at what I do, I think. And I've been doing it for a minute now and I just, it just brings me a lot of joy and yeah, I don't, I think there are certainly days when, you know, I'm like tired and burnt out and like don't want to like, you know, I'll put like a video recording session in my calendar and then I'll move it to the next day and the next day and the next day. But like, that's more of like an executive dysfunction problem <laughs> than it is a wanting to perform or not problem. But yeah, I also don't do drag really. So I have less of the like, oh, I did all of my makeup and now I have to perform problem. Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a different uh, beast, if you will. But I know that um, sometimes the like, like the idea of going onto a stage um, for me, there were only like a few times where I'd be like, oh, I'm about to do this thing. Oh no, I really would like to reconsider every single thing I just decided to do. Um, oh, no, I love it. I love yeah. it so much. I love that. I love <laughs> so that for you. Like put me on a stage any day of the week. I will be there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I feel like as a, like, tell, tell us a little bit about like what you did in uh, queer kid stuff. So it sounds like there's like different kinds of performing in there. Yeah. So Queer Kids Stuff is my web series that I started in 2016. I ran it actively like as a YouTube series um, from 2016 through kind of like early summer 2019. Um, And it's a educational LGBTQ plus web series, essentially uh, taking like 
Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers, and smushing it with Queer Theory 101 um, is kind of what it is. It's conversations between me and my stuffed teddy bear from childhood named Teddy. And we talk about what does gay mean? What is gender? Um, we had like an episode on what feminism is and just tons, like consent, tons and tons of stuff. I think there are over like 50 episodes or something, one of mm -hmm. that original web series. And kind of ever since, yeah, and that's all online. You can check it out at queerkidstuff.com if you want to watch any of those videos. Um, again, today is National Coming Out Day. And I just did like a compilation of the three episode series that I did where I came out as non-binary to Teddy. So mm -hmm. there's like a little episode where I'm talking to camera about like questioning my gender. There's a little episode where I talk to Teddy about being non-binary and like have a little coming out discussion with them. And then there's a follow-up episode where we talk about the word non-binary and what that means. So we had, so I was like able to write like a three episode arc of my like own coming out, which is like kind of a wild thing to like do on like a children's web series. Um, but I think it turned out really great actually. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's kind of the web series. We did a ton of stuff. Um, I ended it when I did because I needed to move on at the time and uh, it, the harassment was like a lot to deal with as one person and I had moved to a different place and didn't have my recording studio anymore. There was a lot of like logistical things to it as well. But ever since then, ever since I started it really, I've been doing um, performances kind of based on the songs and the storytelling from the original series. So I go to schools and libraries all over the country and have been for the last five years or so. I've been doing that and um, also run virtual programming through my website. Um, again, queerkidstuff.com. We do weekly rainbow story time um, kind of family sessions that are just really a blast. We read LGBTQ plus picture books um, like mine in February. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's just, a, it's just a real blast. It's like kind of this cool, weird job that I have. And uh, yeah, queer kid stuff like really started. I, I've been doing kind of like queer work for kids before that, um, mm -hmm. essentially since undergrad um, is where kind of like this interest started. Um, I've always been a performer. I came up kind of like as a theater kid and uh, did undergrad theater and undergrad and then was kind of I kind of fell in love with children's storytelling and storytelling for young people, especially in like the theater space and started taking gender studies classes at the same time and was like, oh, these are two things that are interesting. Why can't I smush them together? And uh, kind of went back into the theater for young audiences world and was like, where are all the queer characters? And I was like, oh, there are two. And uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> essentially like directed both of those plays by the time I was like 24 <laughs> and was like, okay, what's next? And there was nothing. And I was kind of like, all right, I guess I have to figure out how to do my own thing. And uh, that's kind of how queer kid stuff started to happen. Just kind of grabbed a few friends and a camera and my teddy bear <laughs> from childhood and uh, slapped together a video and then people loved it and absolutely despised it. And I thought, hmm, this is interesting. Let's keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, now I've somehow turned it into like this weird career that I have. <laughs> That's so cool. I can't, I, 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 A, I need to go to your website and look at these things, but also please do. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it, it's interesting when it's like, I'm studying this thing and it's like, wait, this also correlates to a different thing. I should combine it. That is such mm -hmm. a cool, and it, I, I don't think I've in my time, like, you know, in the space, I haven't, seen anything that is um specifically like queer kid stuff especially i with, haven't like, either so yeah. if you find something else let me know <laughs> <laughs> we will check them out i'm just kidding but no i want more colleagues i want more people who do this work there are not enough of me i want there to be more i want there to be more people who do this who do not look like me mm -hmm. i do not want to be the only person in the space who is talking about these things that yeah. is mm -hmm. like what makes me feel so isolated, right? Like there, like I certainly have colleagues who are doing similar things, mm -hmm. but there is not another queer kid stuff. And that makes me sad. And I think maybe one of the only comparable organizations I've been able to find is Drag Story Hour. Um, but they do a very, very different thing than I do. And that's totally fine. I love what mm -hmm. they do. It's just a different, they had, they do a different thing and that's great, but uh, it's not, the same and yeah. i'm not like looking for a competitor or anything yeah. but i am looking for you know more people to add to the conversation <laughs> right like put them yeah. up um 
But I am asking for like more people to add to the conversation, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't think yeah. my like, you know, white voice is like the only, you know, um like leader on this topic, right? Like I want there to be more people who, you know, are queer, trans, non-binary role models for kids. Yeah. And they're just uh there aren't enough of those. And I I wish there were more, but yeah, it's it's really hard. This is not an easy job by any means. Yeah. And it, you know, it, it takes a lot of time to do, I can imagine you probably go through a lot of literature in your time doing what you do. And that's also time consuming, even if it is a a picture book, you know, reading and thinking like, how can I, you know, describe or talk about this work or highlight it, you know, it adds up time and time again, especially if it's, you know, I, how do you have like a specific amount of books that you like look at a month that you, Oh God. I have yeah, no idea. And I, and I can imagine it's a lot. Yeah, I mean, I try to take in as much as I can. I try to, I, I really, I think I'm good at building relationships with people who are, I consider colleagues and peers, right? So that's kind of like where I um, put my time a little bit more rather than mm-hmm. like reading piles and piles and piles of picture books. I do try to read everything that's sent to me as much as I yeah. can. Um, and through kind of like the Rainbow Storytime programming, I tried to like thematically pick books based on tentpole dates, but also based on the content that I already have. Mm-hmm. and based on what kids like and what parents want, you know, just to make sure that I attempt to have my finger on the pulse, right? And I think that I <laughs> decently do. Um, I think I'm known in my circles. Um, but yeah, I th- think what's really important to me is like getting to know all of the other people who do adjacent work and uh, making sure that I you know, know of the, uh, I know and I'm in conversation with other picture book authors who are specifically writing pronoun books, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, like Maya Gonzalez has written some really, really fantastic picture books on gender and on pronouns. And I have so much respect for their work. I love Peyton's Pronoun Party by Blue Jaren. So, and the first conversation series has a fantastic board book on gender. Um, there are a lot of really, really wonderful people doing work in a similar space. Um, and I really, hope that folks can uh, feel like I'm in community with them. Uh, I've talked to a couple of them on my own podcast, Rainbow Parenting. If anyone's interested in listening to that, I have um, other LGBTQ plus picture book authors on there as well um, to chat about some of their stuff and just like, you know, (laughs) doing good work in the space. So in terms of like how many picture books I read, I don't know. I'm I'm (laughs) one of those authors who's like, I'm extremely neurodivergent and uh, reading books is, can be difficult, but uh, picture books are pretty, are pretty accessible. (laughs) So I I can usually do those. (laughs) I love to read a a YA book and Sophie um, graciously lets me mostly read YA books for the podcast. There we go. Because if only my high school experience was like that. Um, Mm -hmm. but also, um, they're just a touch easier for me to ingest, um, which is probably why I love a picture book so much, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. because, uh, as a retail manager, um, there, you would think it's, it's easier than it is, but there are weeks where it's not, and I don't want to do anything, include reading at all when I love to read. So I absolutely understand that. Yeah. Sophie, did you have anything? Am I the villain in this story? Yeah. <laughs> no, you're you're making the... you read books about adults every once. Oh, I hear you. No, I don't. Uh, Trying to think. I mean, the only thing I could add is like, yeah, I, the only things I can think of that off the top of my head for like queer kids and stuff are definitely based more for like teens or like preteens, like the older kids. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, which is like obviously like kind of a, a it's a bad time for everyone actually yeah when yeah. when you're a tween and a teen you're having a bad time everyone around you is having a bad time like no yes. one's no one's having a good time during those <laughs> no years one's so a good time. no we're really like rallying around teens and trying to like give them as many resources as possible but yeah. i do like really love the focus on like the really the little guys <laughs> and you know what i have found that like teens actually really like my work too i mean picture books aside like i i i like 
recently-ish started a TikTok for queer kids stuff. And all I was really have really been doing is like reposting the old episodes with like mm-hmm. captions and stuff. And like I honestly oh, really think it's yeah. kind of like found a teen audience there because I mean I believe you that. Know, yeah. Gen Z is like mostly who's on TikTok or like, you know, <laughs> millennials who are uh, trying to be in with the kids. Um <laughs> myself <Me>. included. Yeah. <laughs> um but I think, I, I mean, it's like, it's really accessible. It's fun. It's all ages. Con- I mean, I call it preschool content because like, you know, capitalism mm-hmm. and needing to like, you know, categorize things um, for people to understand how to consume it. But um, right, it really yeah. is all ages content. Um, I think that adults get a lot of, you know, value out of it, especially with like inner child healing. And mm-hmm. I think that teens, you know, I get, <laughs> I get messages from teens a lot who are like, I wish I had this when I was a kid. And I'm like, you're still a kid. Like, yeah. You're still a kid. You're, you're still a, a child. Kid. Please. Please. I'm begging. <laughs> you're still a kid. Please watch it. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. That's a, this, I feel like this is a sort of a clunky metaphor, but like when you are learning a new language, you literally start with like kindergarten grade like you learn yes. vocabulary you learn basic stuff you are mm. like no matter what age you are when you begin learning a language you start at the absolute basics so like it makes sense that if you are not a person who has had uh like a self-revelation or even like a thought of a gender or a sexuality or anything like that why would you not start like at the base level like with all of the like stuff that's like clear cut and like easily accessible and just like digestible information. And then it's like, yeah, you don't need to stay in the realm of children's books exclusively, but like, it's, it's nothing literally like, why would you not start there? Yes. Like at the most basic level. Yeah. I 100% agree. I, we can definitely work on this metaphor. I think there's, (laughs) I think that there's There's a lot there. There's a lot of value there. I totally agree with you because like the secret is that most majority of people are at a toddler level of understanding of gender, just like generally. Yeah. Um, so starting with a preschool series about gender and sexuality is starting at that beginner level. It is mm-hmm. starting with vocabulary. It's starting with like just practice. Like what has Duolingo like their entire business model is based off of, can you repeat this sentence? Can you Mm -hmm. recognize what this word means? And is this picture representing this word? Like Mm -hmm. that is how every person starts that app, right? Starts learning that language, no matter if you're 60 or 25 or I think they have Duolingo kids, right? And I'm sure it's probably a very similar program, honestly. Like I, I, I'm going to do a little research on that. Maybe more pictures. (laughs) Right. I wonder if Duolingo just like has the same thing, but it's just like secretly like two different apps. Like make it like, yeah, yeah. It's like, just like rebranded just like, so people will start. It's like a baby bird instead of like the adult owl. (laughs) But no, you're totally right. And like, we should be thinking about like, okay, what are different languages that we can learn around what like, you know, learning about ourselves is because all of this talking about gender, talking about sexuality with kids, talking about race with kids, all Mm -hmm. of these different topics are just like, okay, who am I? And those Mm -hmm. are like that self-identity development, which is like an actual thing in like childhood development kind of like psychology like that's those first you know toddler years like the american academy of pediatrics has found that most kids have a solid understanding of their gender identity by the age of four so like that age range i think is true for like most of those kind of like self-identity like things that we label ourselves as like within Mm -hmm. culture to understand who we are in relationship to the people around us and the world Mm -hmm. around us right so yeah we're just having you know, questions about that and being more specific in our language and our learning around that than we really ever have before. I love, I love that we're getting to a place where it's a little bit easier to have these conversations and that we're coming, we're developing phrases that people didn't have in the past before. Yeah. There was a, a book that Sophie and it I read. It did exist though. Yes. Queer and trans- yeah. Yes. Um, it just wasn't as widely known or like spoken yeah. about. And there are there are people who have existed in the past that it 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 wasn't seen as something deviant or you know despicable to say like I like two spirit people exist and mm-hmm. 
just in general, like things were celebrated by different cultures that um, I, I, I believe the Catholics um, <laughs> have, have taken and ruined uh, when they yeah. took over lands, you know, um, if I could just blame the British, I would, um, but I know it's not just <laughs> them. I can, I, I can and I will, but I know it's not just them, but it's really amazing that things are circling in a way that are like, we're able to have these conversations and there are more widely known phrases now for this feeling of like, you saying that my like gender identity is like a man, like it doesn't, it doesn't feel right. Like, what is the, like, is, is there anything else out there that might fit me better? Um, and it's more easily like researched because we're all talking about it in a way, even if it's um, bad conversations, it's people having the conversation of like, well, this isn't right for me. Like I need to do this research for myself. And I think also as an adult, who, as much as I love a picture book, I think it's also sometimes uh, difficult to admit that I want to pick up a picture book and read it. Sure. So I think um, for the people, that's I think, childism, right yeah, there. That's pr- discrimination against children, yeah. which is also a crummy thing that our society does. But yeah, sorry. Yeah, exa- no, it's fa- exactly, and it's like, why? Why should I feel ashamed to want to read a children's book? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like it's interesting because we think about like Pixar movies and like Disney movies. And mm-hmm. like I think that there's something that's really acceptable for us about like nostalgia when we're mm-hmm. thinking about children's media. Because I think I mean like Disney adults are a thing. And like I think going to Pixar movies as adults is like a thing people do that like we don't mm-hmm. necessarily frown upon. Um, but like we still do have hang-ups about like certain things that are deemed quote unquote for children when they're not like attached to those big brands that have like, you know, cemented their place in our heart because we can't, you know, we think of our childhood when we think of like Woody and Buzz. Right. Yeah. But, but I think that like, you know, we can still as adults love children's media quote unquote children's media because it's all ages storytelling Mm -hmm. and good all ages storytelling. There is a lot of bad children's storytelling out there. Um, Well, yeah, that's like a huge problem. I think I have a lot of times with kids stuff is that people take for granted how smart kids are and how much they understand. So you get like that you just get, it's just like, here's some fun, bright colors and there's people dancing around and they're saying things and it's just, It doesn't make any sense and it has no impact on anything and you're not learning anything. It's a babysitter. It's a babysitter. Yeah, you're distracted. So, um, and I think that a lot of criticism that children's media gets is like that, that it's all like that. And it's like, well, it's actually really fantastic sometimes. Um, Occasionally it's, occasionally you get a bluey. There's so much, (laughs) yeah. But, like, <laughs> there is so much really fantastic children. Like, Bluey is so good. Bluey yeah. is such – just, like, a good television show. Like, mm-hmm. regardless of it, like, whether it's made for children or not, it's just, like, a right. well-written, well-done, like, television show. Yeah. And, like, I think that, like, something like that has really, like, come into consciousness is, like, okay, like, parents are also enjoying it with their kids, yes. too. And, like, gr- uh, grown-ups might, like, you know, go on to their Disney Plus and just, like, watch it for fun because they just like Bluey. Like, why? because it's a good show Mm -hmm. and i mean i think that i mean i feel that way about like steven universe and adventure Mm -hmm. time and Mm -hmm. like those kinds of shows those are like for slightly older those aren't necessarily like preschool shows but i think that like we do see a couple of properties that kind of come out and like really break through that mold it is more rare and i think it's i don't think it's about like the fact i don't think it's because of the quality of the television shows. I think it's more that like adults don't think to go and watch them. Right. Until Mm -hmm. they've kind of broken through. And, and I think like animation kind of has in particular grown kind of like its own audio. I mean like anime and like that, that's, definitely more geared toward adults and like adult animation is a thing yeah and adventure time was definitely made for young people and oh, yeah. owl house i hear like so much about like adults watching owl house which was like also mm-hmm. a show made for young people and i mean i think i would like probably consider those like more the term is like bridge um in in mainstream animated television um which is kind of this like in between audience of like not quite tween, not really preschool. They're kind of like in the middle there. Yeah, um, yeah. It's kind of got like a YA vibe to it a lot of the time. So there like definitely is that space that like kind of has an adult viewing audience as well. But yeah, not a lot of it is kind of like looking at the preschool space unless you're kind of like 
you know, uh, that nostalgia factor, right? Of like looking at like old Sesame Street episodes, old Mr. Rogers episodes. Like, mm-hmm. what did you watch when you were a kid? And how like I'm revisiting it because it makes me feel a way about like my own childhood and the things that I watched when I was a kid. But like also you can just watch that, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I distinctly remember coming home in like maybe eighth or ninth grade and seeing Franklin was on, and I was like, "Oh yes, does this still slap? Am I still obsessed?" It does. And yeah. I remember watching it and being like, "Should I be as like a, a teenager? Should I be embarrassed that I'm watching Franklin?" And it's like, "No, no I'm not. No, <laughs> I'm not embarrassed. I'm home early from school. No mm-hmm. one in the house will see me. I'm watching Franklin on the family TV." And yeah. I remember watching it and just being like, this is wholesome. There's nothing wrong with it's watching so something good. wholesome. Also, exactly. it's animated so well. And as an adult, mm-hmm. I can like really like understand and like appreciate the way like the amount of work that I can mention that goes into it. But also like the storylines were good. And it's just it's yes. it's, it's just great. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'll say like sometimes like this what I find like really comforting too is like sometimes you just like need a simple story. Like in in preschool, because it's so short, like Mm -hmm. usually a preschool episode of television is about 11 minutes long. You don't really have time for like these like B and C Mm storylines. You really just kind of like have one main story for one episode. It goes from beginning, middle and end. And, you know, it's tied into a lot of other things. But like think of an episode of SpongeBob, like when he goes to like catch the jellyfish, he like goes to the jellyfish place and he does his little song about the jellyfish. He catches the jellyfish. He has emotions about it. And then he goes home. Right. Like that's like kind of the episode. And you know, that was like 11 minutes of my time. I, you know, got to like hang out with SpongeBob for like 10 minutes and like it doesn't use like a ton of my brain, but like is very joyful. And mm-hmm. like, and I'm not saying like it doesn't use a ton of my brain and that like it's not complex or that it's like not well written or it doesn't like have a lesson to it. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, you're not like watching an episode of Succession, right? Like, no, yeah. very different way. Mental gymnastics going exactly, on there. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And like sometimes like, Sometimes you want the episode of Succession and, like, that's fun and cool for, like, different parts of our brain. I love that show. But, like, also sometimes it's nice to just, like, be able to turn on an episode of SpongeBob or Steven Universe. Oh, my God, absolutely. have a very different experience for your neurons, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially, like, you know, I I come home and I'm like, what do I want to watch? I know I'm going to probably put on Ugly Betty because I already know what happened. Yes. I know that this episode I feel great about. I don't have to think about anything. I can put this mm-hmm. on and maybe look at my phone while there's a sound going on in the background. Yes. I love mm-hmm. having my little screen while my big screen is doing something. Yes. yes. It's really, yeah. it's something nice to do. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like that's just a really great way to look at it. Like there's nothing wrong with having a day where you're like, I want to watch SpongeBob because I want to watch SpongeBob and no one's going to stop me. And then maybe later yep. I might watch a succession or have brain rot. And for me, yeah. watch sex in the city because that's the kind of HBO girly I am. Um, <laughs> yes. But, Cure your burnout with episodes of SpongeBob and uh, buying my picture book for yourself, not just a child in your life. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Honestly. And also not for nothing. Um, it's like it's illustrated really well. The the like the verbiage and the words that are used. Like as an adult, like I, it made me think differently of how I appreciate hmm. being like my pronouns, the way that I like to be spoken to. And it's something that like I didn't necessarily think about. That like oh this this connotation, this like uh, analogy, like I w- I wish that I had thought of like seen it or heard it sooner because it it's hmm. nice to think. Yeah, but, I'm glad that it's resonated for you in that way. Yeah. Sophie, buy me more picture books. Okay. <laughs> you got to get on those good publisher lists. I get I get picture books sent to me all the time. I will say mm-hmm. Alex, the person that connected us, has been so sweet and has sent us so many oh, nice things. Um, we got... Do you, I'm, you might know Ryan LaSala. We famously got his arcs of his books before he did. And oh. I, made a tic- I made a TikTok <laughs> about it. And he responded with like, where did you get that? I haven't even gotten that yet. And I was I like, I will book. delete this TikTok. I'm oh my sorry. God, that's so funny. I was like, he's going to be crawling in the window. He's he's, <laughs> he's already in the house. He's, he's in the house. In the he's holding my phone, taking the TikTok. <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's, I'm so glad that Alex was able to connect us because this is super yeah, fun. Me too. And it's, it's nice to interact with someone who also like has like a queer, like whether it's the, the queer kid stuff or yeah. the rainbow, um, is it? 
is your um, show the Rainbow Podcast? What is the name of the podcast? So Rainbow Parenting is the podcast that is the companion to the book. I thought that's what I was seeing. I was like, I feel like that's right. Um, That's really cool. It's nice to interact with someone who also like does this kind of work as well. Because we we usually um, the authors that we've interviewed, to my knowledge, a lot of them aren't performers. They don't have like YouTube yeah. um, or like video or media experience like that. So it's yeah. kind of cool to talk to someone that like has different experiences like that. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do a lot of things. I wear a lot of hats. <laughs> well, the hats seem to work and fit. So good. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> Sophie, is there anything you want to add before we wrap things up? I don't think so. I think we talked about, I think I talked about all the fun things I wanted to talk about. Yeah. I just, I mostly just want to go watch some kids shows now. Yeah. yeah right. Do it. <laughs> um, we just watched over the garden wall uh, that I've never seen before. And it's the first time I've watched it. Um, so you we're know, I've to- never seen it before. And I feel like I've been like hearing about it from like a couple of different places. So like the universe is like telling me to watch it right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's spooky it, season for sure. Yeah, so yeah. It fits into the spooky season. And I think I didn't expect the ending that it had. Mm. Um, so I thought it was pretty interesting. And um, the younger brother is an, ab- <laughs> an icon, a star. an icon, a star at the moment. <laughs> okay. Um, so I but think you'd really appreciate it's, it. It does the thing you were talking about earlier, too. Not to rant about this at the end of the episode, but like I think each episode is maybe 11, 12 minutes long. Mm-hmm. It's really mm-hmm. short. You, we literally yeah. watch the whole show in one sitting. You, you can just watch it like a movie. But it's like the kids Isn't there a movie? are. Is there a movie? Oh, if I there is, I don't know about that. It, it might have just been like condensed um, yeah. into a movie Do style thing. Because I think you're right. They're about like. 12 minutes when we had like two episodes left. I was like, I might, we can watch this one, then I'll go to bed. And you were like, no, it'll be 20 minutes. Yeah, like, we have okay, 20, yeah. you can stay awake for 20 minutes. Yeah, I can do it. Um, but it, it's, yeah, it's a thing where it, it's all a plot. It's very simple. The mm-hmm. kids do a thing, they meet a person, a thing happens, and then they move on and it just keeps going. It's very uh, simple, but it works like really beautifully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. We had to find some spooky. Well, I guess it is a mini series. I thought it was a movie too. I was. I, I mean, I was, we watched it like it was a movie because we yeah, just watched we all of the episodes <laughs> in a row. And we it's watched like it a like good, a Netflix show, and just everything dropped at once. <laughs> an hour and a half. There's or something. a different. There's definitely something else. I'm thinking of like. I feel like Anne Hathaway did like a voiceover movie, something that's like over the hedge or something like that. that oh, maybe. Of, which is different. That sounds right. Hedge. I feel like she would do that. But I, I think that's a very different property. <laughs> yeah, that is. Do you well, have? I, I did just over see the a garden wall hedge. I, I don't know. I feel like they, they, they're, the titles feel adjacent to me. They're yeah. sibling. They're sibling. Unfortunately, shows. yeah. Um, I think they're probably extremely different. But <laughs> someone didn't look at the SEO before they named their yeah right. their show or movie, whichever one came first. Um, before sure. we go, Linz, do you have, um, since it, it, this will be airing in October, do you have any like spooky recommendations for like a, a show or like something Ooh. that like, yeah. That's a great question. You know, I don't know if I do. The only thing that comes to mind is that my friend Danny Joe, who runs mm-hmm. Danny Joe's Treehouse, which is a fantastic preschool television show. Mm-hmm. I believe he is doing a pretty cool Halloween episode of his show. Ooh. So if you check out Danny Joe's Treehouse, I think he 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 he's, he does like a very retro kind of like Mister Rogers style show that's really oh, fun. Cool. Um, and I think yeah. he partnered with like a local emo band to do an episode. Um, I haven't watched it yet, but he was posting about it on his Instagram and I was like, this is epic. (laughs) So I I guess check that out. Um, I'm also running a cute little Halloween story time um, get together on October 31st. So there's information about signing up for that on the Queer Kids Stuff Instagram and um, on there will be a link on the website by the time this airs. So please sign up for that. It'll be a blast. We're going to read um, a really cool um, Halloween themed children's picture book. Oh, that's a great one to um, to to tell you about. Um, it's, oh, called, cool. a, it's called A Costume for Charlie, C-H-A-R-L-Y. Um, mm. And it's a really lovely picture book about a by gender kid who is trying to pick what costume and has to kind of like put them together to like make it make sense for them um it's really really lovely and they're 
surprisingly aren't a ton of LGBTQ plus Halloween picture books. So oh, that's, that's one of shocking. Them. We love I Halloween. Know, right? they're, well, they're, yeah, I there know. are two types of drag queens. There's <laughs> Halloween drag queens and there's pride drag queens. Yes. yes. Also, I've never met a trans person who wasn't like, so one Halloween I decided to yes. dress up as yes. insert gender here. Exactly. And it just kind of clicked. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Yeah. Break so into that market. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, so yeah, that's a really, really lovely one to check out for Halloween. Also, um, for all of October, I always talk about LGBTQ plus history month. So there's plenty of things for people to go to, um, re LGBTQ plus history and picture books. So yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for coming up, like coming and chatting with us today. Of course. Mm -hmm. Thanks for having me. This has been lovely. Thank you so much. Chat with more queer people about yes. queer things for kids. <laughs> yeah, I I I really appreciate and love the work that you do. Um, thank you. Thank you for having the idea and saying this is big. I should do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> sometimes you just gotta follow those impulses. <laughs> yeah, we we love to say yes to the voices. As you should do this thing. Yeah, yeah, yes, and yes, yes. and your inner voice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Um, I haven't spoken to a theater person in a while. I love hearing. <laughs> I love hearing yes and because I think about it a lot. I'm right here. You're um, you. Well, I mean, yes, obviously, but you're the yes and I hear in my head all the time. I do uh, feel like I've started to hear yes and in like more spaces other than theater. It's it's starting to proliferate. Oh, no. um, I don't know. I, I have feelings about that, but anyways, the agenda has gotten outside of our bounds. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, exponentially expanded. I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> this is Lynn Zamer, and you've been listening to the Super Lit Podcast. Woo-woo! Outro music!